right, Mario. Uh, I suppose we're special episode. This is a special episode. It's the middle of the week. Congratulations, everyone. You're lucky. You've earned. You, you've earned it. Yeah. You. You guys get a gold star. Gold star. Um, we're gonna talk about Rebecca, which I think is important for but us. Tom, to... we already talked about Rebecca. I know. Well, that's why I think it's important for us to do it because very recently we talked about Alfred. It was on your list. Alfred Hitchcock's 1940 Best Picture winning. Adaptation of Daphne du Maurier's um, Rebecca. And now here we are again, yep. just a couple weeks later. Netflix is like, remember Rebecca? Well, here it is again with <laughs> Army Hammer and Lily James. And the Hayes Code is gone. Yep. We can, we can say that, you know, fucking Maxwell popped a cap in that bitch. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Asshole. We're, bitch. we're there. Asshole bitch. Sorry. We're, I, I don't mean the gender of the term. We're there. We're t- it's time for the trailer clip. Rebecca. Ben Wheatley's Rebecca. <laughs> Has Max ever talked to you about the accident? I don't know what you're talking about. How am I supposed to know anything if you don't tell me? She's still here. Can you feel her? I'm tossing and turning all night. Rebecca. Rebecca. Bad dream. She was the love of his life. I wonder what she's thinking about you. Taking her husband, using her name. He doesn't love you. I said I want the truth. You didn't know her. You know what he did. He can't go on living in that big old house with a ghost. I don't believe in ghosts. You do it. You gotta do, do it. Do I have to do the plot summary again? Uh, I guess I could. Okay, no. No, I just mean like, we just did the plot summary of Rebecca. No, we should. Well, okay. okay. So is this, this really, so one of the things that you, in our text conversations that we had, because this is kind of an unofficial episode, we don't have to do this the way we normally do it. In our text conversation, you were like, this is really not an adaptation of the Hitchcock movie. This isn't like a Doctor Sleep. You yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. Where they're kind of like, they're kind of ingratiating themselves into the Hitchcock universe like Dr. Sleep ingratiated itself not into the Stephen King Shining universe but the Stanley Kubrick Shining universe and he doesn't Ben Wheatley doesn't do anything really that reminds me of the Hitchcock no and I kept waiting for him to do it I kept waiting for some of those signature shots to kind of to kind of come up. I mean, I saw, I, saw, I saw some Boz Lerman in this, but that's about it. Yeah. There's a lot of... But... This is a movie but, whose drone budget was obviously very, very high. But, 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 and background CGI color saturation budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But better. Like, I think Boz Lerman's Great Gatsby's fucking garbo because of its stylistic choices. Whereas, mm. whereas I, I enjoy this. Um, you know, just basically the, the, the common premise, as we talked about before, is um, the... Second Mrs. De Winter, as it were to be, is um, a housemaid and a, uh, a lady of um, Mrs. Van Hopper. The Andald. I always love Andald. I like Andald too, but she's not doing a lot. In I this. could not wait for this part of the movie to get fucked. Every time Andald showed up in this movie, every time this character showed up in this movie, I was like, I want to punch myself in the face. Yeah, she's a much less. Gracious and fun than the original. Well, yeah, I mean, not sure. even the. Well, I don't want to compare it to the original, but um, so you know, oh, yeah, yeah. We'll eventually, Maxim and the second Mrs. De Winter kind of start dating. Uh, eventually, 
you know, they marry and they go back off to Mandalay, and there she missed uh, the Mrs. Davers, played by Kristen Scott Thomas in this variation, playing a very different Mrs. Davers, um, a lot more sympathetic Mrs. Davers to me. I guess so. It was hard to tell in the middle of it if she was. I think she was. I don't know if she was faking in the middle when she was kind of trying to, you know, gain Lily James's trust so she would make the the dress decision. Yeah, it. it but it, it seems, also it seems, seems like a much less psychotic evil. Mrs. Davers and more like a very like a emotionally yeah, abused. Yeah, feelings are broken heart. Yeah. But like emotionally yeah, abused yeah. as well. Like Rebecca, like this. Like a Stockholm Syndrome Mrs. Yeah, absolutely. Danvers, yeah. Um, she meets Mrs. Davers, you know, kind of the, the play-by-play of what we met from the original Rebecca happens. You know, the dress sequence at the Mandalay Ball um, occurs again. Uh, eventually, the body is recovered of Rebecca. It's not the body that was buried years earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this version, uh, Maxim de Winter, no longer held back by puritanical codes of yesteryear because um, the world sucks fucking ass, uh, admits that he did kill Rebecca yeah. um, by her asking. Um, you know, basically a very a mur- murder, kind of. It is murder. murder. But sure. assisted suicide murder. Like, well, she wants it. This is not, she, she this is not taking place in Oregon. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, they have the entire trial again of whether or not it was suicide or murder. The pregnancy is brought up very lightly this time. The pregnancy doesn't play as big of a pivotal role Mm-mm. in this as it does in the Hitchcock version. Um, eventually, the second Mrs. DeWinter discovers that, once again, she had cancer. And, uh, you know, things are okay. Mandalay Bay burns. Mrs. Davers doesn't burn herself like in the original. She uh, goes out, burns the boathouse by which Rebecca was kind of staying in quite often and leaps off the cliff, much like she told um, the second Mrs. DeWinter to do earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and... The film ends with the second Mrs. DeWinter, you know, Mrs. Davers says you'll never understand love. And the film ends a little hokily. Um, my one my one major complaint about this is that kind of like tag denouement ending mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, Maxim and the second Mrs. DeWinter and Cairo backing on each other. Yeah. Um, I enjoy this quite a bit. Uh, obviously, it pales in tremendous comparison to Hitchcock's version in terms of its vision and stylistic choices as well as its um, performances. The thing I love about this is it feels like a 1990s, early 2000s masterpiece theater adaptation. Hmm. And I love the fuck out of those Mm -hmm. as a kid. And this like feels like that with a budget. Um, Ben Wheatley isn't trying to do a lot here, which I like. He's trying to, he's kind of letting things, he's kind of letting the story flow. He's letting well, yeah. the two lead performances do work. Like every, like in that opening act, mm-hmm. um, I agree with you. As much as I love Van Dowd, you know, Van Hopper was, was an annoying character. But every time there was a date between, yeah. uh, you know, Maxim and the second Mrs. De Winter, like I fucking love, like those two, like Lily James and Army Hammer had just such fucking awesome chemistry in that beginning to me um, Army Hammer is such a casual guy yeah, yeah that, like he really like when he's getting to know her you it feels like he's getting to know her I'm gonna say it I talked about how much I love Laurence Olivier in the original Rebecca you're not gonna say it are you I like Army Hammer better what this is a really special episode he I think he he plays 
Like, Lawrence Olivier's maxim seems like he hates the second Mrs. DeWitt. He seems like he hates Joan Fontaine throughout the he first half. He seems like he hates everything. Army Hammer, like, Maxim's, Army Hammer's maxim seems like scared as fuck for mm-hmm. the first hour. And you, re- you know something's up. And I think that's the intent of, um, you know, Daffy DeMore. It's kind of like this, this kind of like weird, mysterious hell holding back. But at the same time, you know, willing to finally let himself actually be in love with somebody. Yeah, Army Hammer seems broken. Yeah. Where Lawrence Olivia seemed like he was just like a fucking piece of shit. Yeah, and it works where, like, I, I think Joan Fontaine is, is a better second Mrs. DeWinter than Lily James. I think Lily James is great. I think she this. does a good job. Um, yeah. I just think Joan Fontaine just fucking kills that role. But it makes that kind of turn where, you know, she takes, like, stance for herself and kind of, like, she, because she's, she's still kind she's still definitely presented as timid early on, mm-hmm. even when, you know, she meets Sam Riley's uh, Jack Favwell, who I was watching that entire time going, like, Sam Riley's doing okay work. I wish this was Tom Burke. Um, could you imagine Tom Burke in that role? that killed it he was too busy playing Orson Welles uh, I mean I think Tom I, I don't I don't know if Tom Burke he carries the smarm I guess there's like a pointedness maybe, to this maybe too puffy I just feel like Tom Burke's like a more laconic actor maybe and so he he's gonna be too relaxed I mean he's an actor so I suppose he could play not relaxed but every other time I've seen Tom Burke it's not been like with this kind of like shrew like you know, I shiftiness. I might be the only person excited for Mank just because of Tom Burke. I'm, 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 that's the only reason I'm excited. I don't want to see fucking Mank. I've fucking had it with da- like new David Fincher movies. I agree. Um, but, like, she, she still plays timid, still plays meek. Um, I still think Sam Riley's pretty pretty good as Jack Favwell. Um, but, like, when that turn happens, it's, it's you know, it, it, it makes a lot more sense given the relationship mm-hmm. um and from like an overall production standpoint like Kristen scott thomas's mrs danvers and it can't really be compared to judith anderson's mrs davers because mm-hmm. that 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 mrs davers is like one of the as i as i said in the episode one of the great villains in film history sure Whereas this mrs davers is manipulative and has you know, ill intent, but she seems just as much of a victim as Rebecca. I don't think Rebecca comes off as much of as much of a villain as she does in this version, which I enjoy. What is going on? My phone. I don't. I like oh. turned all the sound off on my phone, and it is like exploding. And I just wanted to check something. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Um, and that's why, I like, I, I just, I really, I really appreciate and love the fact that this movie is doing something new. It's it's and Rebecca has a book that I read long ago. I, I haven't reread it recently, but a book I enjoyed. I enjoy early twentieth century like gothic drama mm-hmm. in that way. Um, and this feels like it hues a lot closer to the intent, the emotional intent of that book. Um, Hitchcock's version still a much more outstanding production and film, um, but this version. Like I, as I said, just feels like that great faithful Sunday night adaptation of masterpiece, which I suppose is 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 good and fair. And I didn't like not in, enjoy it as much as I was just bored, and not bored because I think Ben Wheatley's doing a bad job. Because I don't think there he was is. a ni- oh, really quickly. Rebecca, 1997 miniseries, a presentation of Masterpiece Theater. Never saw that one. Who's in it? Anyway, Charles Dance plays Maxim De Winter. Oh, I love Charles Dance. 
And Diana Rigg plays Mrs. Danvers. Mm. This might be worth a watch. Oh, Faye Dunaway plays Mrs. Van Hooper. <gasps> We're gonna, we're gonna have to do our third Rebecca. Our third Rebecca. It's gonna become a Rebecca podcast. Um, I just here's my my problem with this movie, Mario, is the same problem I kind of had with the Alfred Hitchcock movie, which is which maybe I didn't even say it in the podcast, but I think I I definitely thought it, and I'll say it right now is I don't think Rebecca is that interesting, like a, of a character. And neither of these productions have they sold Rebecca as somebody who matters. I just think it's a I think it's a it's a Maybe they're both a little too faithful to to the book in in terms of like yeah Rebecca's kind of a outward characterizations, but they want me to care. I have to care about Rebecca for this to work, and I don't give a shit about Rebecca. She doesn't seem. They actually don't even really seem to mention her that much in this movie. You know what I mean? They're just kind of like, you know, Miss Hopper mentions her, and then you know she like looks at the book, and there's like the stationery. I feel like there would be more. There's should be more things about her. That make me want to... That make me feel her presence. You never feel her presence in... You don't feel her presence that much in the Alfred Hitchcock movie. But I suppose that's the the production of the Hitchcock thing is that... The staging of like her bedroom and stuff like that has like a ghost-like yeah, quality. Absolutely. That shit is fucking gone in this. Well, and all the ghosts are just dreams that Lily James is having. And Rebecca's not in any of them. Well, what I think what I think's interesting in the transition of of this version versus, you know, Hitchcock's Rebecca, is this movie is much more about the relationship between the second Mrs. De Winter and Maxim. Like, this is... Everything hinges on that relationship. In this. Mm-hmm. this is a romance film. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, like, once I... like, Which is why I liked Rebecca originally, is because, like, I always loved the romance. Like, I don't... I necessarily don't give a shit about the actual, like, Rebecca aspect of it. Mm-hmm. You know me. We talked about this before in the podcast numerous times. I'm a romance guy. I like it. Mm-hmm. And this like sells that, like focuses in on that. And and you know Rebecca's just a hurdle to that in this. And that's what I enjoy about it. I enjoy the fact that you know like the you, you, unlike in, in, in like Hitchcock's version, you spend so much time with them. Spend so much time with her like organizing the little notes and everything. And there's so much like earnest relationship there yeah. um and, and it constantly stays there like he gets cold but then he comes back and it's not like like you said with olivia it's not like this constant coldness until like the turn like the sudden like surprise i hated her which mm-hmm. i liked in the original rebecca because like hitchcock's able to frame that narrative twist well it's, but it's you olivia know, eating stuff yeah but you know in this version that there's something that he doesn't like about rebecca yeah like even without knowing it you just know that rebecca is something weird for him in this. And you know that no matter, you know, you know that no matter what he actually felt about Rebecca, he cares about her more. Mm-hmm. I did kind of wish they gave her a name in the end. Cause this movie feels like it kind of owed it like a name. <laughs> well, I, was kind I of a little bummed. She didn't especially get with that, with the tag at the end there, Manderley, when he says like my whole life is Manderley, Manderley, I'm saying Manderley. It's the Northeast. Manderley. There's a hotel. There's a casino in Vegas called Manderley Bay. I don't care about that. Because I'm from Connecticut. <laughs> Did you murder that cop? Which one? Oh. Bobby Seal guy. Yeah, he that was me. Um, I mean, that Bob... Yeah, everyone heard that last week. That that gagging scene... Um, is also not presented, like, horrifically. Which I didn't like. I wish it was more horrific. I didn't care about what their faces were doing. 
when it was happening as much as I cared about what was happening to him. Mm. Um, and then the way that Frank Langella's kind of evilness is just like, he deserved it. And everyone's just kind of like, okay. Except for, you know, he gets the mistrial, whatever. Um, and then they don't stand except for, it doesn't matter. Let's talk about Rebecca. Um, we just talked about that movie like 20 minutes ago, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's so, if, if we were actually doing these like several days apart, it wouldn't be so fresh in our minds. Um, but yeah, so he's like, he's like, my whole, when he says my whole life is Manderley, it doesn't feel, it's not like a, not a sentiment that he seems like he enjoys saying, you know yes. what I mean? It's just kind of, it's the nature of his existence is that he's got to do this thing. And it has this um, uh, ancestral duty tied to it. Where the tutors. It, exactly. Whereas Rebecca, I'm assuming, kind of got off on the power of what it meant to live in Manderley, where he was... <laughs> Manderley. Manderley. I'm putting the emphasis on the middle. That, that, that's fine. Um, whereas he is just like, oh, this is just the thing I gotta do. So when she burns it down... He's just kind of like, good. I'll go fucking live in Egypt and just eat Lily James's neck like all day. Fine. And I'm and I'm, I don't know why his move is like holding her head. He does a lot of head holding in this movie, but um, he's just like gripping her skull. <laughs> he's like gripping her skull. Um, but yeah. So who cares about Mander Manderley? Who gives a shit? Because clearly by the end of the movie, he doesn't care either. Which I like. I like. Um, I like it too, but like they're trying to sell us that this stuff matters, and it just matters to Danvers. So if Danver- if someone had just like pushed Danvers off a cliff way earlier, everyone would have been like, oh, so think, everything's fine. I think that what just I think, Danvers what is I being think weird. What I really like about this version, though, is it sells her like out of placeness more. Who? Um, the second Mrs. Dwinter, Lily James' character. It sells her like. Like when she tries to go and like, it's more much more pronounced of like you know you're just help here and like oysters for breakfast and all that mm-hmm. and like kind of her, not tomboyishness but like her like she does wear a lot of pants and co- yeah, and then like later on kind of like the giggles and whatever that the servants do like she's really sold as being or like the sauce like eh, yeah like there's much more focus. Now, where that is in the original, there's much more focus in, like, her being out of place. And, like, it's much more of an eternal thing of, like, feeling out of place with Maxim in this. And, you know, there's the ever-present... The ghost of Rebecca in this version for me works because the ghost of Rebecca is the ghost of somebody who fit that world. And it works for me here mm. because eventually when she just he just says, like, you know, I'm sad that you lost that, like, innocent lost girl before and she's like well this is who i am now like that's a fucking great line because like he's like because like his like automatic response is like i got no use for this yeah no what he's like i have no i have no use for you trying to do this like if he's if she's trying to be if she's not that innocent if she's not that girl that she was on on holiday or wherever where were they monte carlo monte carlo yeah if she's not going to be that then he's got no use for this kind of faux rebecca stand-in yeah, no, he just he, but he just, it's it's more just like he accepts like, oh, this is what I want, like I want you, yeah, and and like it's it's like him shedding his pretenses, and her shedding her necessity to have a pretense. Well, that I mean, the, the interesting. I think I think if I, I think a lot of people are, are approaching this as like gothic horror, and you gotta, yeah. I think you have to approach this 
has like not a romantic comedy, but it just has a pure romance. Well, I think film. one of the problems with this movie, which is insane, because Ben Wheatley's a horror director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one of the problems with this movie in both and cases, I think he does a really great job of doing a romance movie. I think this movie is pretty sturdy. It's it it's got a, like a pretty it's got a you know the it's not getting great reviews. It's getting pretty bad reviews in a, in a couple people of cases. Are being fucking assholes of being like. Why do you have to redo Hitchcock? And well, it's like you're not redoing here, goddamn would, Hitchcock. But I would raise my hand to say not so much why would you redo Hitchcock, but why remake this movie? Because they're not like I don't think the movie in and of itself is interested in plumbing interesting new depths to this tale. I think they just happen to have some actors who are giving really interesting performances that make Especially someone like you and me who just watched the or, you know the Hitchcock movie, they're hitting some different notes than what is a, a pretty classic movie. You know what I mean? The yeah. three lead characters are are doing different things, which I think I think is really interesting. One of the failings I think of both of them though is that Max in the second Mrs. De Winters and Danvers spend very little time in the same room together. No, it's in this one. Or in, in, in there's a little more, a little more, Hitchcock's. but not like a, not like a, not like a ton. And I know that Danvers is supposed to be kind of like Rebecca's voice, which is you don't want Max around for her trying to influence the new Rebecca with all this old Rebecca shit, or to kind of you know demolish the new Rebecca. What? Rose. Yeah, don't say that. To demolish this, the the second Mrs. De Winters with the like. With the ghost of Rebecca, using the ghost of Rebecca as a weapon. I suppose you don't want him around for all of that. But she's around Danvers so much in the second half of this movie that she's just inherently not around Max. And so if Max was around more, he might notice that Danvers is not really being... Not really doing her job. She's like holding. So, so like, when like, yeah, you're fired. When the Miss Second Mrs. De Winter's like, oh, does Max ask this room to be kept this way? She's like, why would he ask that? Or like, he doesn't have to ask. When in reality, like, maybe he doesn't even know. But that's also stupid that he doesn't know that a whole wing of his house is not being used because Danvers is like keeping and, this fucking shrine to a woman that he hates. And the closeness of the relationship would suggest, well, to a degree. Like, the second Mrs. De Winter. I fucking hate saying that way. Um, it's very Lily hard. Lily James. Lily James has at least a much of a sturdiness of character to be like, so, like, I know you're going to be angry about this, but why do you keep that wing of the house the same? Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of interpret that maxim to be like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you could, you, could, you could tell that this maxim probably doesn't give a shit much about what's going on. Like, I could, I could accept him not knowing what's going on in one wing of his house because he doesn't seem truly invested right in but life. if she brought it like up entire... you'd be like confused like what nah, are you talking like, about no like, put your fucking sewing or you know your but again horse, right, your, your car maintenance yeah, stuff in there whatever you want in there I think to this movie's like I don't know fa- nah, not fail failing too strong a word it's still hitting those like gothic horror beats where she's just like, do you know you sleepwalk? And he's just like, have a good breakfast. And he just leaves. And you're just like, why does he not want to know that he sleepwalks? Why is it important that he not be aware of that? Yeah, and I mean... And you, it but it, because narratively, from like that mysterious standpoint, he's got to have like... He's, he's got to come off as like not wanting to talk about something. But in reality, it seems like the way that they're playing the character that he would be like, really? 
I sleepwalk? The, I what think, do I do? Yeah, I think the thing the thing that does not work in this um, is the fact that like Maxim's beats and his like his sleepwalking, his eccentricities mm-hmm. are based around the fact that he killed Rebecca. Mm-hmm. You know, that like he's living okay. as he chose, like he lives he's living with that guilt of, of murdering somebody. Mm-hmm. But once he says like to Lily James, yeah, I, I fucking shot her in the head. It's kind of just like um, it's just over, but it's like it, I, I guess there there should have been a moment of clarification of like oh, well that explains everything that about explains why you're doing why you're so fucking weird yeah because you murdered this woman yeah like even though no fuck you update it another time dick um oh, fucking Kasdan <laughs> yeah. no we or don't want to update it. our system right now Lawrence Lawrence Jesus is like Christ. Lawrence just offered me a Rebecca 2021 directorial. <laughs> You're taking that. I'd direct the shit out of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There would be so much penetrative sex shown. <laughs> Why? No, yeah, that's a good idea. Why not? It'd have a happy ending, too. Mrs. Davers and, you know, Jack, Jack just run off together. Well, the, the, the Jack... I, I would 100% put a happy ending in that. Yeah, yeah. The Jack thing, I think, in this is... It's, I wrote a waiting for Godot where Godot showed up once in college. And was he just kind of like sweaty and like, oh, hey guys, oh, sorry. I just, my buggy, you know, my horse, I had to shoot it. No, it ended up it being ran like a here. dumb fucking religious allegory of mine where like the one guy leaves because he's convinced he's not going to come and then the other guy stays and then Godot shows up. And I was like, my reading back, I'm like, it's hopeful, but it's hokey. Mm-hmm. So guys, if if I ever wrote a movie, you you can I can assure you we'd probably give it a negative review. <laughs> um, what were you gonna say? Um, I don't know. I think oh, I just, I don't I I I the Jack thing is I think is played weird here. Mm. I think because it's twenty twenty, I don't know how you feel. I all I have I had a problem with. The cultural norms of like the early 20th century um, for a long time. I have a lot of trouble accepting art that was made based on, from the early 20th century, based where the drama comes from the fact that somebody is upsetting cultural norms. Oh, fair. So the. And, like in that post Victorian yeah, time. So the, you know, the Mrs. Van Hopper shit, I, I, I like I said, I wanted to die. And that's a very strong word. I I couldn't even fucking take it because I think it's so fucking stupid. Well, you know what, you know what makes it you know what makes like that aspect of art annoying is the fact that what like forty years earlier, Francisco Goya is doing his shit. Yeah, yeah. Like Goya is doing like great work in terms of, like Saturday evening his children and his entire war drawing. Early, I mean, earlier than that. Like, like that's eighteen. It's early. 70s? He's is he's it early. Yeah, he's older. He's okay. he's. Yeah. And if we ever talk about this on this podcast, like, I'm a huge Goya guy. Me too. Surprising. Mm-hmm. I'm sure somebody's shocked by that. And, like, in our um, uh, Gore, like, Gore's sketchings of Dante's Inferno, like, mm-hmm. like there's really intense stuff going in there. They're very much opposed to the cultural norms of the time. And they're not really morality details anymore. They're not the trifolds that we saw of... Um, who am I thinking of doing the Hell Heaven trifold? Hieronymus Bosch. 
Yes, Bosch. They're not like the Bosch trifolds of moralistic tales. They are more just like societal demonstrations of the uh, yeah. reflection upon man. Yeah. All that shit happens in you know the 19th century, and all of a sudden like we have this relapse in fucking nonsense. And well, so that's why like I have I do have no use for like European art from like 1880 to like 1930. But like, I'm, I'm okay like accepting Faulkner because Faulkner's like doing sanctuary and like being like. Well, he's doing something yeah, different, yeah. yeah. But like, I or mean, like Steinbeck and whatnot. It's but, like, the reason that I do, I can't like for all my appreciation of someone like Henry James, I can't read some of the bigger the bigger late period James novels because they all hinge like on like screwing all it. Uh, no, this, no, is that, is that, this is would he, be this would James be like Wings of the Dove. And is James turning of a screw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But that's er, that's earlier James. Okay. This would be like Wings of the Dove and 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 the Ambassadors and stuff like that, where it all hinges on somebody betraying a cultural a, a cultural moray. And so there's a little bit of that here. Too. There's a little bit. Obviously, in 1940, that's a that's a big one. You know what I mean? It's why the pregnancy I think is played for much a, a much bigger plot point in that movie because the fact that she would be pregnant is like. And was killed while pregnant is like what? You killed a pregnant woman? Holy yeah. shit! But here it's not played because it doesn't really it doesn't really work. It's the same way that like Lily James wears pants in this movie, um, because she can because it's twenty twenty. But still twenty twenty. There is a way more interesting way to present some of the um, the early stuff in this movie um, rather than like with the you are not a. You are of a different class, so you could never meet somebody like this. Blah blah blah. That doesn't that doesn't make any sense. No, that's like true. this guy clearly doesn't give a shit about anything. You know what I mean? Which is which is I think actually one of the criticisms I wanted to bring up about this is the fact that like Lily James is such like a charismatic force early on in this, and so like she's presented with such like a bravado. Lily James is fucking Lily James, like. And, and, but like Joan Fontaine, like has a mousiness to her that Lily James has none of. Well, like Lily James yeah. has fucking charisma up the wazoo. Joan Fontaine was gorgeous too. Lily James is nearly as equally gorgeous. But it's weird that and like, Lily James. It's just like you look at this and go like a fucking coarse max. Like you look at this and go like, no matter how good Rebecca is, like Lily James is probably just has well, if I mean, not better. Listen, Whereas you look at I'm the gonna... Joan Fontaine from the 1940 and be like, oh, there's like a mousiness to her and whatnot. I want to raise my hand again and make a point that we've made on this podcast a whole bunch of times in regards to a whole bunch of different movies. You can't have a character. And I'm not making any kind of definitive, declarative statement on, like, from a quantitative level of how attractive Lily James is or isn't. You know what I mean? I'm not going to say she's like a 9.7. I'm not doing that. Okay? I'm not doing it. But you can't have Frank sit on the fucking beach and have Lily James go, was she very pretty? And have him be like, she was the most beautiful creature I've ever seen. Like, Lily James is a fucking troll. They do this in movies all the time. I, what could she possibly look like? Yeah, Who and, is she? Because the thing, you know what? They probably they probably have a vision of what she is, and she's probably not as a, or is equally as attractive or whatever. You can't even make a comparison to Lily James. It doesn't even make any sense. Well, and the, and the issue is like Joan Fontaine like plays that character mousishly. Like she's like, she's, she's very meek. meek. Yeah, and and like Lily James is never that. Like like Lily right. James and Army Hammer are. 
fucking so here's screaming the thing. charisma. So like if like like how Rebecca looks, she's like the most beautiful creature I've ever seen. And Lily James is like, nah, that's not true. And she's just like, <laughs> yeah. Well, so here's the thing: Joan Fontaine plays her mousy, and one of the ways that they do, one of the things that they do with Rebecca in the Hitchcock movie, is that it's not just that she's just pretty; she's a force of fucking nature. You know what I mean? Yeah. She is she is a non natural thing. She is beyond all understanding, not just in looks, but in personality and capability and all this other stuff. At the beginning of this movie, Lily James seems like she's capable of anything. And she doesn't have like a mousy bone in her body until Danvers kind of inspires her to kind of feel insecure about what she should be doing or what she's not doing or any of that other stuff. But even then it feels like a momentary insecurity. Well, even that. So exactly, because even when she's, when Danvers is really pounding on her, she always has this air of, I want to do this right. You know, and not this kind of like, I'm desperate to do it right because Max is mad at me. But like... I can fucking do this because, because fuck I am down. Because also, like, I want to prove it to... Yeah, it's always about, like, I want to prove it to my fucking self. Right. And so which, she, is, which is, like, the most attractive thing sure. in the world. So she carries that around with her. And then Rebecca, you're like, she's really good at parties. And she knew what sauce went best with lamb. It's like, I don't care about that. Which speaks to my point that they just didn't make Rebecca very interesting. Yeah. No. So I would have just... Like, I almost just want to see... A romance movie with some high stakes, you know, for a romance movie, with Lily James and Army Hammer. Like somehow. a fish out, like a fish out of water movie, or a fish called Wanda movie. I don't want to make that, but a fish out of water movie would be good. <laughs> yeah, no, right. but I think it would be. I think it'd be really good, and I think that I think the symp the the sympathetic version of Danvers that Kristen Scott Thomas is playing, I think she's pretty good. Yeah, I think I I, 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 I agree with you. Rebecca is nothing in this. Rebecca's it's like a, weird. She's a. A roadblock. She's she's a, a a speed bump. And it seems like when they were writing the script, at some point they were like, oh oh yeah, we got to mention Rebecca again. We we haven't mentioned Rebecca in like twenty pages. We have to throw her name in. The- so they, even when, if they called if they called this movie a very fun, weird, awkward relationship that eventually becomes great between Army Hammer and Lily James, I still would have watched it. It's an awesome title. It's an awesome title. But you know what's funny about like so the compare? I don't you know I don't I know we don't want to compare the Hitchcock movie to this movie, but like. The shack, at, like down at the beach, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. That that has like a lot of gravity to it in the Hitchcock movie. You know what I mean? Like that guy's seen some stuff. Yeah, and we kind of know it before she goes down there. That something something's weird about this place. She just casually chases a dog down there, and then there's a guy just chilling behind a curtain. Well, and there's an, an army hammer disappears. He's just like, I uh, said, don't, don't go there. Go down there, and then she just goes, and you're just like. Okay. Well, that's... Well, so Rebecca was just here a bunch? It's kind of funny. Like, if I wa- like, I kind of watched this movie by not giving a shit about the Rebecca aspect of it. Right. Like, I just got so locked in in the first 30 minutes by the relationship between the two of them that I just wanted to continue watching the relationship between the two me, of them. But that's the thing. Me too. I just... I was like, this is really working. Except for the Anne Dowd vomit mouth scenes. I was just like, this is good. Anne like, Dowd's still great. I love Anne Dowd. I just think her character compliance stinks. should have got she should have got nominated for compliance. Yeah, I feel like we should have a compliance conversation one day. That was really weird. I can't have a compliance conversation. Off is that an off air conversation? <laughs> About why? No, <laughs> kidding. Um, yeah, but that was really weird. It's a movie that everyone was just like, "Holy shit!" Anne Dowd like destroys this movie, and then Oscar's just like, "No, she didn't." <laughs> Oscar's just like, "That movie made fifty dollars." Literally, we have 
two films a year where there's a great we recognize two films that have like a legitimately great female acting performance and leave like 15 to the independent spirit awards to find a way to like nominate and we can't find room for this yeah universally regarded tremendous performance um but yeah that first 30 minutes are just like this is good i even i who has a cold cold heart as we will hear in several weeks um, was like this is good. I like, like this. Army Hammer just putting sand on her shoulder. I was like, I like that. I like it. Yeah, that was. I but I'm a big. I watched that. I'm going an like, Army Hammer guy. I think we're both kind of Army yeah. Hammer people. I watched that going like, you know what? I actually compared that to mm. contempt. Watching it, mm. watching those scenes because I was like, oh, this is the romance Godard was going for, and um, he fucking failed. I mean, it's meaner in contempt. Yeah, for but sure. It's, I mean, it's got Godardness. There's a there's a real heart, but like a a kind of. I'm not gonna say crazy. I want to say crazy heart as a joke, not as a real thing. Sassiness. There's something. There's some kind of real affection. It seems like, and maybe maybe we're nuts between those two. Yeah. <coughs> well, considering both of them, one one of them's married and one of them's in a relationship with Doctor Who. We're talking about the actors. Oh, we are Doctor Who's a woman. Well, the original, well, Matt Smith, not the original, the 11th Doctor. Lily James is in a relationship with him. I thought Matt she was Smith. in a relationship with Dominic West. Matt, uh, Matt Smith. I was reading a lot of things today that says she's canceled a bunch of appearances because she was seen Unless she being broke inappropriate up with, with Dominic West. And oh, he's no. married. Oh. Oh. Oh, wow. This just got updated today. <laughs> like, when I looked at this earlier, it was saying that they had been in a relationship since 2014. Uh-huh. So, yeah, you're right. It is Dominic Smith. Dominic West. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it was... it was. I mean, it looks good. I yeah. think the Clint Mansell score is, is odd. It's not very good. It's very, like, rote and workmanlike. Clint Mansell seems nervous at times. He, he seems like he doesn't know, like... Like, sometimes he does work. Like, I don't know. How, how familiar with Ben Wheatley's, like, filmography? Not at all. Okay. Wait, so, what movie did he make? So he did, like, Kill List. He did Sightseers. He did High Rise. Nope. A Field in England. Nope. Uh, Free Fire. Nope. Okay. So some, let, let, me, let, me, let me go into the Ben Wheatley thing, because I'm a Ben Wheatley guy. Okay. So I love fucking Ben Wheatley. Ben Wheatley's, like, Kill List has, a, has like, one of the better, almost fucking, like, um, Lovecraftian movies of all mm-hmm. time. It's like it has a Lovecraft Wicker Man feel to it. Okay. Good horror movie. You wouldn't like it. Um, <laughs> Sightseers, I think you would enjoy. Uh-huh. It's like kind of a comedy horror. Um, but he did High Rise, which is the adaptation of uh, the J.G. Ballard novel, yeah. um, which is not great. And I don't think Free Fire. Like a lot of people love Free Fire. You know, I, I, wanted, Free to, Fire I wanted to see High Rise because I love that book. Um, I someone read it. Um, I remember when that movie came out, I was like, oh, I should see that. But, like, Clint Mansell's score in High Rise, like, does a lot of lifting up. But it feels like there's a lot of times now where Clint Mansell, like, sees a movie and he's like, I need to back off. Well, I, I, I wonder if he has, like, this nerve about, like, oh, I don't want to overwhelm it. I actually think his question is probably not, or his thought is not, I need to back off. It's, I, what is the tone? Because Clint yeah. Mansell has a very specific thing that he does. And in the right director's hands, it works it works perfectly as we we'll talk the, about even in not a couple even weeks. even not even a good director's hands like he 
like Smoking Aces goes from a very mediocre movie uh-huh. to an entertaining movie because of his score. I mean, we're going to talk about a movie in several weeks that we've already talked about in this the podcast. Moon. Moon is another one. Well, Moon is an, an all-time score. classic, yeah. Um, where I think his score transforms um, a good, a, a very good ending into an all-time great cinematic experience. Yeah. But this movie, it seems like the whole time he's just like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, what is this? Like, what is this movie? Or is it a paycheck? Well, it's definitely a paycheck. <laughs> and it's a Netflix paycheck, so it's yeah. not nothing. It was like, um, it was like um, Mute for him. Yeah. yeah. Um, Although the score in Mute wasn't terrible. But he probably also did Mute because Duncan, Duncan Jones did it. Yeah. Well, but he's done he's worked with Wheatley for a while, too. Oh, has he? Yeah, he did the score for High Rise. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Uh, but I don't know if he's done the score for anything else with Wheatley. I forgot he did the score for Stoker. Oh. 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 What? So he did the score for Stoker. Do you remember Stoker, the Park Chan-wook movie? Mm, no. Um, Was it good? No, it's, it's not good. <laughs> but he replaced Philip Glass, who would have been perfect for that film. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah. Philip Glass actually like read the script that time. Was like, "What? No, I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna do this." I, I learned my lesson with my, Candy Man. My note repetition does not go with this movie, um, but it does. Philip Glass, come on! Even though I didn't see it, uh, yeah. It's, so that to that end, I think it's that's why I'm uh, learning keyboard. I want to learn Helen's theme. Rebecca is a weird movie, but I think how we talked about last week with or. Several days ago, with the trial of uh, Chicago Seven, I don't know when this episode's airing. Could ep- it could have aired three days ago? Right? Who knows? Um, you go home, you're just like, why is this episode recorded? <laughs> it, it, if you're gonna watch something else, I mean, I think Rebecca's a good watch. It's entertaining. It's got charismatic people in it. You could do a lot worse. I'm- I'm gonna say it. I think I think I'd rather watch Rebecca again than Trial of Chicago Seven. I would rather watch Trial of Chicago Seven. I mean, I think because Charles I get Chicago I, Chicago I get I get Sasha Baron Cohen as Abby Hoffman, which is just fucking yeah. great. Um, yeah, I think I guess they're they're close to equal. They're interesting. I mean, it's interesting that because because thematically they have pers- nothing if, to do with each other. If you've listened to this podcast since the beginning, and you're 100 percent in tune with me, you'll you'll prefer Rebecca. What if everyone on our, that listens to us is in tune with you and? Every time I speak, they're all like, shut up, shut up, shut up! <laughs> Why can't Mario do his own thing? Fuck this guy. Just an hour of me being progressively <laughs> drunker. Could you imagine me by myself, like, in a podcast? It would just be, it would be, like, four hours, 15 minutes on movies. There would just be so much ice tinkling in glasses. You wouldn't even turn off the recorder. You wouldn't even turn off the recorder to go make your other drink. And you just like finish recording? Yeah, I don't know. And then post it? I don't know how to edit shit. Um, but yeah, they make it. They make an interesting one-two Netflix punch. In that, I said I think they both they found a good home on Netflix. They yeah. seem to they work for what like the Netflix film ethos is. I would say Rebecca's much more theatrical oh it's much more cinematic yeah like i could i can envision seeing rebecca in a theater i don't even really know what trial of chicago 7 would look I, like i kind of felt like i should have watched trial of chicago 7 like 
on a 13-inch screen. <laughs> it has, like, a phone quality to it. Yeah. It doesn't even... Actually, that... Well, no, but, like, a phone has, like, a widescreen view. Like, I feel like I should be watching this in, like, 4.3. No, but I feel like you almost want that it to be smaller because it might add some depth. Because when you watch it too big, those courtroom scenes just seem like... So empty. They seem like backdrops, paint, like painted backdrops. The colors are so muted, and there's like this weirdo fog. Even though they they don't, you know when there's. Could a movie... you imagine like Trial Chicago Seven really quickly with like tracking, like tracking from like a VHS that would work perfectly in it. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it's a it, Trial of Chicago Seven is a weird experience, and we're gonna buckle up, motherfucker, because we are gonna have to talk about that movie again when Oscar nominations come out. Wait, I just realized, didn't that douchebag write? Few Good Men, too. Yeah, that movie also sucks. I like A Few Good Men, but you know why I like A Few Good Men? Because it's not trying to be good; it's just okay. trying to be fun. That's so it. you get some Tom Cruise yelling stuff. You get Kevin Pollak hanging out. Nothing wrong with Kevin Pollak hanging Demi out. Demi Moore doing nothing like she did in most of the nineties. <laughs> Demi Moore getting yelled at by Tom Cruise, and you get a really good Jack Nicholson performance, who's totally unhinged and nuts. Yeah, that's fair. That script sucks, though. But that's, a, but that's the thing with... That's the difference between Aaron Sorkin then and now is that Aaron Sorkin then was just trying to be cool. Now Aaron Sorkin's trying to be important. And when he tries to be important, he fucking sucks. Yeah. Fucking sunset... Was it? Like, whatever on the Sunset Strip, that ruined him. 60-whatever on the yeah. Sunset... I don't know. But, like, I think it's... Just do some sports night again. I mean, just do some fucking sports night, Aaron Sorkin. Oh, man, I love sports night. But we are the weird couple of people who think that, like, Steve Jobs and the... And the social network are terrible. I can't watch those movies. No, they're bad movies. Anybody that says, like, every time I see, like, Social Network's one of the best movies of the 2010s, I'm like, you fucking didn't watch a movie. But I don't even... I, 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 I want to know why. Unless, unless, no I, could could see, unless a, I could see the Ashton Holmes version of Social Network. No one could give me a reason why those movies are good. It's always based on, like, the cultural significance that they hold. Not because they're the movies... They're like, oh, it's David Fincher and Aaron Sorkin, like, at the top of their games. And, and, and Jesse Eisenberg is the best at delivering Aaron Sorkin. And I'm like, none of that... When I watch that movie, none of that seems true You know what so many people, like, fall back on now at Social Network? Is it's Atticus Finch and Trent Reznor. And I'm like, fine, a decent... Atticus sp- Ross. Whatever. Atticus Finch is from Kill Mockingbird. <laughs> which yeah, also fun. ties to Aaron Sorkin, because um, he did that to Kill Mockingbird play. But... You know, Atticus Ross and, and Trent Reznor, like, fine, they did a, a good score in that, but, like... But if, I feel like those are people who never listen to, like, a Nine Inch Nails record. Trent, it's just... The score is just Nine Inch Nails songs without without words, and he's been doing that for 30 years. I'm not sure what's interesting about it. That's I remember when that, when that score came out and everyone was like, this is the score, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm glad he's got a fucking Oscar, but, like, you know... It's just Nine Inch Nails music. No. I'm not even sure what Atticus Russ is doing. It's just Nine Inch Nails I mean, music. I prefer what they did with, like, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, personally. Because it's, like, a little harder. Well, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. But yeah. the, I, it's the thing. I like Nine Inch Nails music. My, one of my favorite records, of, one of my top 20 favorite records is the B-side, is the, is the bonus disc to a Nine Inch Nails live record that they put out. Which is all, it's just, it's seven instrumental tracks. Is Atticus Ross a part of Nine Inch Nails at all? Was he, was he from? I don't think so. Like, I thought Nine Inch Nails was just Reznor. There was, a, there was a band at one point. So, like, the guys from Filter. Remember Filter? Not, like, Take a Picture. Well, I mean, Take oh, a Picture yeah. Filter is, is uh, 
or take my picture. Hey man, no, hey man, I shot. Yeah. He'll exactly. So you know, you know, you're not nothing. You know music. I was getting fuel stuck in my head for a second. <laughs> no, not fuel. Uh, filter. So those the filter guys came from nine inch the the broken era, um, downward spiral era nine inch nails. Oh, okay. Um, but we're talking about Rebecca. And now we're talking about no, <laughs> we're talking Call about Trials, Chicago Seven. Lean do. If you want to tweet us about anything, anything you want to talk about, we don't care. We probably won't respond to it because it makes us nervous and scared. You can tweet us at Film Pivotal. Uh, or you can email us at pivotalfilmpodcast.gmail.com or you can go to pivotalfilm.com and check a list of the movies that are on our top 100 list, um, which is going to be, we're going we're gonna, to, you know, uh, we're, we're stuck on this now. I think we have a couple of like, bonus episodes ready to like in not in the can but like ideas for things so, yeah so like, 13's getting divided into two episodes 13's getting divided into guys two we cannot re, re, there's a good chance we cannot record anything the week of the election however well, there, might have, be a, there might be a fun ep- I mean there'll be an episode of the week of the election oh for sure there's gonna be an episode but it might be pre-recorded it will How, definitely be pre-recorded if it, I think if if the election goes positive maybe we, we figure out something fun to do but either way there will be some there will be something immediately There'll followed. Be something, yeah. It'll either be, There'll a... either be an episode and a special episode or just an episode followed by two people pounding through the podcast until we move out of the country. Well, the gradation... Yeah, exactly. The gradations of what I'm going to feel good about that, you know, Wednesday slash Thursday are, are myriad. There's a million different ways that, like, that Tuesday can happen. There's a million different ways I could feel about it. We'll talk, we'll talk about that after the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, or so if I, I did the I did the email, I did the website. Did you? Um, I don't think you listen. Did, did you do those? I did both oh. of those. Yeah, but listen, guys, I know for me this podcast is like a lifesaver, and that for a couple hours a week, I can fucking check out of shit. We are only watching good movies now for our lists. You know what I mean? I can't He's say not th- stuck watching the guest anymore. I can't say that. I I feel I feel like a meme that we should put up on Tuesday on t- first thing Tuesday morning on the third is a picture of, of of a gif of Dan Stevens throwing just two grenades into a diner. That because that's what it is. That's what we're gonna feel like. Yeah. But it's been a nice outlet for not having to think about something for two like two and a half hours depending on what the movie is. Except when I bring it up during Trial of Chicago 7 talks. <laughs> no, no, but like while you're watching Trial of Chicago 7 is different, but like when I was watching our movies this week for when I was watching the movies that we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks, there was no other thoughts in my head other yeah. than that movie. So I'm going to recommend to everybody that they watch a movie that doesn't remind you of what the fuck is happening in this country. Drink a beer because it'll help you not Remember what is happening. Hard beers, <laughs> multiple beers, um, and we will talk to you next week because we gotta talk to somebody.